ever told you about how I raised chickens in my bathtub when I was in grade five? You certainly have not. I would know about that. <laughs> That's very adorable. Yeah, it was for a, like a science project. I just decided that it would be a super cool and normal idea to raise, like to hatch eggs for my science fair. That's so cute. Was it difficult slash did your parents know that you were using the bathtub in this manner? Yes, there was no way they couldn't have known. We had to like get the eggs and get the incubator and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you just grabbed a handful of eggs and was like, oh, for the best. You can't raise just like eggs from the supermarket. I don't know what you find in your spare time. I know it's not supermarket eggs, but I was like, maybe you got a hookup. No, you got like... an egg lady. I have an egg lady. No, you've got to go and like get like fertilized eggs. Oy, oy, oy. Which is exactly what you don't want to eat because you don't want to like be making an omelet and just have like a, a baby embryo. That's, I think, everyone's worst nightmare. I think it is, except for, like, they have those... Is it, like... Half egg, half chicken? Isn't that a delicacy in China? Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. I was going to say, like, 100-year egg, but that's something else. That is something else, but it's very similar to that. I would try it. I mean, again, try everything twice. But I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But anyway, yeah, no, but, like, raising chickens, it it was nice. I think I got, like... 12 or 24 eggs and you have them in an incubator and you just like check them and you can like hold a candle up to them and kind of see if a chick is developing and of the like wait this is stupid but you don't burn the chickens by accident like if it gets too hot it's okay it's just like yeah and they want to be warm that's why you have an incubator like they have to be warm like as if there's like a mother hen's butt on them (laughs) i'm always shocked that eggs don't get crushed from that but anyways I mean, I don't think chickens weigh that much. And they've got... And eggs are super strong. That's true, because chickens are mostly just feathers. (laughs) Well, they are. (laughs) I don't think they are. Uh, But yeah, I think I had... I had like five or six hatch. And one of them was like gimpy. (laughs) And they hatched at school, actually. Like, I timed it perfectly. This is so peak you i'm sorry but just like (laughs) what 10 years old 12 years old just being like yeah and here's some chickens that i magically grew and everyone else is like i hope you enjoy my potato clock i did not get as good of a mark as i frankly should have because i had a very chic poster board you didn't get a good mark for literally birthing a species i mean i don't think that i got like a bad mark but it was like i don't know i didn't win the science fair what the f- what the heck did win the science fair? <laughs> I don't know. They cloned an actual sheep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Weird how nobody talked about that and, you know, the mass like news outlets of Vancouver. It's a big conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Um big sheep cloning quieted that down. They didn't want everyone to know you could do it at home. They just yeah, they it's <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing for that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I had I had chickens. They were in my bathtub. My dog almost like killed one. Okay. Not to get so dark, but you said you got 12 or 24 eggs and you only hatched five. Was it just that they didn't like it? Like with gen, like any other kind of egg that you might fertilize, like human eggs, whatever. They just like some take, some don't. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I think so. And I guess it's like some just like don't. 
I don't even, yeah. That's just, maybe some of them weren't properly fertilized or whatever. Mm. So actually I think like a five or six was pretty good. For like a 50%. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. But then, um, yeah, obviously I can't keep like chickens in White Rock. But so we took them to my aunt's farm in Salt Spring. <laughs> and then it turned out that f- like four of them were roosters. And so they were all <laughs> fa- fairly quickly turned into soup, which <sighs> was sad. <laughs> This is another thing that is stupid and I probably should have looked up, but like roosters and chickens, like male and female version of just like the bird, they taste the same, right? (laughs) Like in terms of the meat, like it's not like one's more tender than the other. Uh, I don't know. I I imagine that I feel like a rooster would maybe be more gamey. But like when I'm thinking about it, I'm picturing like if we were to eat people, Men sure. would be more gamey than women. Yeah, they would. They'd probably be stringier because they've really? got like more. They have less fat content, just like biologically. Mm, oh yeah, that's right. Okay, I now we're really getting to what creates the gamey taste profile, and like what you're saying is like less fat. Is that what, what we're discussing for this? Like what we're hypo- hypothesizing? I mean, look, I'm the wrong Cut this whole to person ask. out, like this whole bit out. This is so stupid. Um, and yes, you are. You have no reason to be informed of that. Nor do I, I about the taste of people. But anyways. I feel like we can a, hypothesize. This is a non-cannibalism post. <laughs> so far. So far. Well, anyway, welcome to Pantry Staples, everybody. <laughs> a podcast where we dish on your favorite foods. I'm Marika. And I'm Emily. And this week we're talking about chicken. Yeah! Which is quite a topic, uh, as it turns out. And I suspect from your end, quite dark. My end, a little bit too, actually. Uh, So prepare for really another depressing day. (laughs) I mean, I I chose not to go as dark as I could because I think actually, I think actually a lot of us already kind of know a lot of the dark side of chicken. And it's just like, I don't need to be filling my brain with that Mm -mm. right now. So, but yeah, I chose for the (laughs) lighthearted darkness. (laughs) Love that. Um, That is much easier. Cause I was, I've actually been getting like a little bit stressed out leading up to this, just being like, Oh, now we need to hear all about the crap of chickens. And like, I already don't love eating chicken. Oh, interesting. It's not my favorite meat of all the meats. I feel like if I'm going to eat meat, I might as well eat the really tasty ones as opposed to chicken, which everyone's like, it's just such a lean form of protein. It's like, why don't you just eat tofu instead then, bitch? I mean, truly, that's my mother, who is a vegetarian. Yeah. She never liked meat growing up. The only meat she did like was like cubed chicken breast, which is basically tofu. So just eat that then. Like, which is what she did with Mm -hmm. chicken. Stupid. Mm -hmm. Just also, oh, fuck, there's some really, sorry. And now I'm swearing. I'm really trying hard to work that out of my system, but maybe one day we'll get a podcast the episode that we don't have to rate as explicit. Never once. It's impossible. Mm, that's true. I do not have the wherewithal for that. Anyway, <laughs> I don't even think I do. <clears throat> no, no one does. The world has driven us to say fuck. Anyways. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with this. Would you like to hear some facts about chicken? Please tell me all about chicken. 
So the order the chickens belong to of the like kingdom, phylum, classum, order, whatever genus, family, genus, species. Oh, good for you. Very nice. Very nice. Did you use your something, something wears kings, whatever pants, jeans? I don't know. You know those no. things you're yeah. supposed to use. Remember, I cannot. No, I, I, I just really understood the point of those. To be totally honest with you, uh, I think that they work for some people. For me, it's I just know like the rhythm of like the oh. kingdom, phylum, mm-hmm. class. Order, family, genus, species. I don't like mean that, though. I mean, I don't really know the point of knowing, like, kingdom, violin, class. I'm not a biologist. Yes. Well, I, I think like it... they introduced that too early into the education system. Anyways. I That's... guess. I don't Whatever. know. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't keep on track for one second, can I? So, galliforms. Galliformes? I don't know. Is the order that you can... Yeah, thank you. Is the order that chickens belong to you? So these are birds that survived the crustaceous paleogene extinction event. So that's the huge meteor that took out the dinosaurs. So these, like the origins of these birds, have been around for you know since the dawn of time, basically. Yeah, the Uh, whole the whole joke that T Rexes are just chickens. Yes. Are you? Yeah. Basically, that's basically what I'm suggesting here. Excellent. But anyways, so we have these the genetic ancestor of chicken being found that they were around ages and ages and ages ago. Um, so the majority of genetics from this like prehistoric bird is shared with the red jungle fowl, which was found around 8,000 years ago. So mm-hmm. these are predominantly found in Asia, what is now China, uh, Thailand, and India. There's kind of debate as to what specific region it's from, but it's Asia in general uh, mm-hmm. that we see this bird uh, existing in. Uh, we see this evidence in a lot of archaeological remains of bones, but also we see it in the linguistic patterns. So in the word manuk, which means domesticated chicken in Proto-Austronosian, which is a language family that's spoken in that area, which is really cool. So we have this idea that it wasn't not just that this bird is present, but also that it was domesticated in a language that's from so, 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 so far back. Do we know how big the bird would be? Like, is it chicken sized or is it like... I would imagine so. There was yeah. not, I didn't, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't do a ton of research on that, but no. the indication was that it was close enough that it was like similar enough in appearance that small changes would have been noted as opposed to large scale, you know, whatever. Sorry, my phone just went off. I'm going to dump. That's my mom telling me that she's excited to see me in five days. Aww. I'm also excited to see you too, Elsie. She's a good lady. Probably so doesn't cute. listen to the podcast though, because not a supporter unlike your mom uh no that's not kidding my mom's a huge she just does the quizzes on the instagram because that's easiest for her yeah that's my mom's favorite part too um anyway shout out to both of our moms and also to our podcast instagram which is pantry staples pod follow it y'all subscribe like follow whatever so we have these kinds of evidences for this. Um, this domestication did not occur because these birds were sought after as a food source, though. This is, again, kind of similar to the tomatoes where we were discussing that these were not originally popularized because of eating. Chickens were not really popularized because of they needed to be eaten, too. They were popularized for cockfighting, which is kind of sad, which I don't really know oh. the like super what the evidence is this is just like what a bunch of things that i read said but i think that what they have found for the evidences of this is that the bones don't have a ton of like knife marks on them to indicate butchery they in they have just like skeletons intact basically which is dark but anyways but also fascinating like that's yeah so weird times people love to fight birds 
super sad. Do you, th- okay, <laughs> when they do cockfighting now, again, I didn't read much about it because I didn't want to feel sad today. Um, do they strap little knives onto their legs? Is that a thing or is that like a joke that I saw in a cartoon? That's fully a joke that you saw in your cartoon. They have talons and like okay, beaks. Good. They don't need knives. Not good that they're fighting each other still, but like at least it makes me feel a bit better <laughs> that they're not walking around like shiving each other. Um, anyways. Uh, so, oh no. Humans saw these birds reproducing rapidly uh, when they're well fed. So, and they, because they noticed that they reproduce really quickly, they spread all across the, like, the world basically from there on uh also as a food source mm. so by 3000 bc chickens had reached europe specifically romania turkey greece and the ukraine uh though we see chickens represented on corinthian pottery in the 7th century bc so i don't really know what to do with those timelines these are just some facts uh but also how cool they have little <laughs> chickens on the pottery love that but i think that's cool that almost again shows that they're not just food they're mm-hmm. kind of like these prized i mean i don't want to say pets i think like, there is certainly of. an element to like uh like companionship to them there's certainly and i will talk about this in a little like in a second there is a certain amount of like cultural and really religious and like ceremonial significance to these birds as opposed to just a food source and an entertainment mm-hmm. value uh so uh much later we hear chickens referred to as the median bird in aristophanes comedy the birds which is a term that indicates a persian's last eastern introduction so we see these birds obviously coming from the east of like asia coming through from like iran persia wherever and then into europe and then it's hitting western europe later uh in their timeline western europe we see chickens until around the first millennium bce the phoenicians were the main cause of chickens spreading all along the mediterranean coast and the roman empire only encouraged this in the 2000s bce chickens are being found in syria but it's not until about 1400 bce where chickens are being bred in egypt again this is for cockfighting in there um Mm -hmm. in the excavation of uh 400 to 200 ce era city of Marasha, we see thousands of chicken bones with knife marks, which is from the disassemblement of them. So this is definitely oh. when we can see them as a food source. And that's, I think, one of the main examples we see of them being used, like people are eating these as opposed to fighting them, basically, which is really cool. Um, um, mm. Sorry, do we know for sure that these are like, these are like chickens as we know them now, or are they still those like jungle so this is a point that i will get to a little bit later but basically they're chickens not identical to the way that we know them right now but yes they are domesticated chickens at this point Mm -hmm. they're not uh the jungle fowl i think it was that we said um so uh, there's other points to make that but i will get to that in a moment um Mm -hmm. so anyways we now see in this 1400 bc in egypt and uh, like other time periods and other places but you know that's a definitive archaeological site that we can view we're seeing this transition from entertainment to food stuff um this marks a shift in cultural attitudes i have a quote uh but perry gal thinks that part of it must have been a shift in the way people thought about food this is a matter of culture she says you have to decide that you are eating chicken from now on so that's kind of like a crazy like jump to make at least in my mind i'm like first you're seeing something it would be like i think for me at least when i read that quote i thought holy shit that'd be like us deciding that we're gonna eat dogs yeah like boom that's a huge transition totally yeah i mean i guess it's a slightly different because it seems like if you're still using these animals as like like you're fighting so you're still not totally viewing them as like companions totally yeah but but maybe but then again maybe that's just my own like vegetarian like animal lover stuff. i don't think that's necessarily like 
the animal lover side of it too. I think that there is obviously a marked difference between something that you, you know, snuggle up to and you pay thousands of dollars in vet bills for, as opposed to something that you strap knives to their legs or apparently not you know but but there is a decided point where people thought okay we're done doing this and now we're doing this or if we're not done doing it because it's still happening but we're making this transition Mm -hmm. uh so that's basically like in like europe slash asia how we're kind of seeing the origins like the very first initial part of this there's contention around the domestication of chickens arriving in the americas so we have the blue egg chicken which is only found in asia and the americas that suggests that this was an introduction directly from asia as opposed to through the americas Mm. which is really an interesting point because so much of what we've researched has suggested that any kind of contact between the Americas and Asia has been exclusively through uh, the middleman of like colonialism from like Spain specifically, but like any kind of European country. This example completely contradicts that narrative, which is fucking mind blowing. Pardon <laughs> me, because when you're initially talking about these chickens, it seems like they're starting out more in Asia. Is it Asia introducing it to Europe, or is it the vice versa? It's um what I like what I just said that was mm-hmm. uh, the chickens being introduced from Asia into Europe. But what I'm positing here, and I think what a couple of articles and like studies have posited, is that these chickens are then being introduced from Asia directly to the Americas, mm. as opposed to like with Europeans. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no middleman of Europe in this is the suggestion because huh. we are not seeing these blue egg chickens anywhere in Europe, which is so fucking cool. Yeah. Um, so there's a theory that these chickens are like there's trade that is happening between the Americas and Asia that's pre-Columbus. But then there's also a theory that it's like an early Polynesian dispersal, which is, I think, something that when we went to Easter Island, like however, whenever that was again, Mm -hmm. um, there was kind of this, not, I don't know, I I don't want to say theory, but like there is one consideration that all these Polynesian people were seafarers. They were definitely, mm-hmm. that's fact, they were seafarers. And there was the thought that they had made the trek over to Easter Island before they even like had any of that kind of colonial influence happening on that settlement. Like it yeah. was them first. And I don't know. I think that there's still confusion on what the archeological record would support. Not to say that that's the end all be all because there's certainly areas where it's faltered and failed, Mm-hmm. And I think that the blue egg chicken being in only these two places is pretty strong evidence evidence for it. But isn't that a fascinating example to support? Like, there's so many myths, there's so many different, like, just tales and thoughts about how all of this came to be about and how Polynesian culture spread. And I think certainly a large piece of uh, the Rapa Nui people's identity is kind of constructed based on this pattern of like seafarers coming over before uh, colonial Spanish influence, because they really don't from what I understood when we were there, they don't super respond to the whole like idea of being Chilean and being part mm-hmm. of this like Spanish colony. So just an interesting example of that. It is. It's so cool. And I think it really just points to the fact that because especially us growing up in a Western centric colonial context, mm-hmm. we only learn about the very one specific way that we have believed. And it's a racist way of believing that history works on a very specific timeline and that sort of like pattern of upward progress rather than Mm. transfers and different kinds of like, yeah, people can be migrating at different times and from different places. And then they were there and then they left or then they were there and then they changed. And And like, if the archeological record does not necessarily support the idea that they were there, 
perhaps that has more to do with the impact that we are all making on our land. Like, again, Mm -hmm. I'm not an archaeologist and I cannot speak to this on anywhere near the level of like validity that it requires. But I definitely think that there is a point to be made that like maybe they just came there, didn't fuck shit up a lot, didn't leave a lot of traces. And like they maybe it wasn't that they started a settlement. Maybe they were just kind of fucking around and then they left, you know, like we just don't know. Yeah. Oh, I think the fact, yeah, like we're like archaeologists are trained to look for very specific, like Western centric Mm. styles of settlement. Like maybe the way that they were there and left their imprint on the land is something we're not used to looking for. Yeah. So wild times. Super fascinating. And also just like how cool that something literally as humble as like, oh, let's get a side of chicken and <laughs> tell us this, right? Yeah. Um, anyways, so Persians Valley chicken, I'm going to talk a little bit, sorry now, about the like the religious, the social kind of like, mm. mythological symbolism behind chickens. So Persian cool. Valley chickens as religious symbols, so much so that the Greeks referred to roosters as Persian birds. In Hindu <gasps> religious chicken or religion, uh, chickens are said to be conduits of evil during a cremation ceremony. So when you're doing a cremation, they will go so far as to have a chicken tied up so that any of the evil spirits will be like in, I don't absorbed, that's the word, <laughs> by the chicken as opposed to the family members. And then once hmm. it's over, you just untie it and you bring it back into the house and the chicken's fine. So wild. That's pretty cool. Um, Let's see. In ancient Greek religion and culture, chicken was a symbol of Ares, Hercules, and Athena. Socrates' last words were rumored to have been, Crito, I owe cock to Asclepius. Will you remember to pay the debt? That's my favorite thing ever. I love it. It's that. just like... <laughs> also, of course it wasn't Socrates. You were just like whining like a little bitch, I bet. Anyways. <laughs> but also like... <laughs> just, I feel like that's very much something that my last words would be just like... Oh, God, I forgot to do this. Could you please just handle it? <laughs> um, anyways, yep. in Roman history, we see chickens using uh, being used as in auspice. Yeah, both when flying, which is ex ovibus, augury, and then when feeding, auspicium ex tributius, um, electropomancy. So that's just two different ways of interpreting it. So either you can see flying, which I didn't know the chickens flew, really. Yeah, it's because they're always fucking locked up, which whole other thing to say. Anyways, um, so you you analyze flight patterns and like the behavior of birds in flight or you determine what they're doing when they're eating, how that feels. The hen gave a favorable omen when appearing from the left, like the crow <laughs> and the owl. In 249 BC, the Roman general Nubius Claudius Pulcher had his sacred chickens thrown overboard when they refused to feed before the Battle of Drupana, saying, if they won't eat, perhaps they will drink. He promptly lost the battle against the Carthaginians, and 93 Roman ships were sunk. Back in Rome, he was tried for impiety and heavily fined. I mean, he should have seen that coming. I am. If you're going to have your chickens as, like, signs, you should fucking follow them. Again, don't piss off the gods. That's the number one rule of all Roman things. Um, (laughs) There's also a lot of additional writing on chickens in Rome. Uh, Advice for how to raise a chicken coop found in Columella's book De De Re Rustica. And then Epicius? Is that how I say it? The the guy who has the cookbook. The fun Roman cookbook has 17 different recipes, and I'm going to read you one right now, if that's all right. Please do. So... Creamed chicken with paste. Cook the chicken as follows. In broth, oil with wine added, to which add a bunch of coriander and green onions. When done, take it out. Strain and save the broth and put it in a new saucepan. 
Add milk and a little salt, honey and a pint of water, that is, a third part. Place it back on a slow fire to simmer. Finally, break the paste. Put it little by little into boiling broth, stirring well so it will not burn. Put the chicken in, either whole or in pieces. Dish it out in a deep dish. This cover with the following sauce. Pepper, lavage, oregano oregano, moistened with honey and a little reduced must. Add some of the chicken broth, heat in a small saucepan, and when it boils, thicken with roux and serve. One of 17 chicken recipes in this book. What is paste? Don't know. I mean, it sounds just like nice otherwise. Right? It's a normal like chicken. I think it like, um, I think it's just like the, like the thing that you've just created, like the the sauce like just kind of divvy it up that's what I've impressed my impression has been so anyways that's so fucking cool though isn't it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so then we get to some biblical shit shout out to god in the new testament we have mentions of roosters jesus prophesies the betrayal by peter jesus answered if i tell you peter before the rooster crows today you will deny three times that you know me it happened and peter cried bitterly yeah uh the det- yeah yeah. I've seen Jesus Christ Superstar. Don't come at me. <laughs> I have not. I know. I feel like I'm really an uncultured swine, but that's... Here's the thing. Um, I don't know if it's actually good. I've just seen it so many times. I'm sure it's I love great. It. It's specific. <laughs> is something good or is it just specific? that's kind of how I feel about chicken though like is it actually any good or is it just a specific thing like do people just want a lean protein mm-hmm. mm, I mean I, I I have a thought on that sort of would later. you like to share yeah okay later oh, yeah. <laughs> um so the chicken was declared an emblem of Christianity in the 6th century CE by Pope Gregory the first there's also the idea in popular Christian myth that the devil flees at the first crowing of the rooster, which we see this idea represented in modern pop culture so clearly by everyone's favorite Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets when the, okay, so the reveal at the end in the movie when Hermione's lying in the bed petrified and they finally see this piece of paper in her hands. Like, I'm sorry, did nobody think to check her pockets and her clothes and everything for like, just I don't know, I just feel like that's something that I would do, like check over a body a little more closely closely and just be like oh yeah you got something in your hand mate like I don't know anyways uh so when they read the thing they see it dies at the sound of a rooster crowing so like this devilly kind of snake emblem a la like the devil in Eden being killed by roosters and then you also have that bit that Jenny under the influence of uh Tom Riddle I aka Voldemort goes and kills all of the roosters that are on campus I'm so glad that we finally got to talk about Harry Potter on this basically Why are you sighing at me, bitch? Because J.K. Rowling is a bad person. She's a horrible monster, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy what I've already paid for. I will not be paying for new things by her. And also, the idea that the gentleman who played Hagrid is also transphobic is super... (gasps) Yeah, he came up in support of her, and I'm just like, why don't we talk to an actual trans woman instead of him about whether or not they're people? How about that? Uh... So yeah, lots of terrible things there. Honestly, I think that's probably the saddest part of this podcast that we're going to hear that our childhoods were destroyed by that monster, aka not the basilisk, J.K. Rowling. Hashtag J.K. Rowling is a basilisk. <laughs> hashtag this is a program podcast. Guys, it's circ- podcast hashtags in there. Hashtag ha- it's circle J.K. Rowling's house with roosters. <gasps> Please do. That would be <laughs> hilarious. Um, uh, such, a, such a not nice person. 
Yeah, it's sad. But uh, yeah, that's cool. Good symbolism. Yeah, I thought so too. Anyways. It's like perhaps a little bit like overly on the nose and like biblical, but... <clears throat> Isn't everything? <laughs> yes. That book does not lend itself to subtlety, my friend. No, I mean, it's for children. All right, continue. So then we get to the Middle Ages where we're seeing breeding season become more of a thing for chickens. Uh, although poultry occupied the smallest part of the domestic life's livestock, which is basically just like livestock you can raise on your farm. I looked up that word. So it's like your own. Um constituting about 2% of it, this is a quote here, its social importance and omnipresence cannot be understated despite scholarly marginalization. Chicken meat constituted an important part of everyday diet and it was afforded by virtually every social stratum, both in England and the continent. I love when Europe is referred to as the continent. Same. It's the funnest. <laughs> um, chickens were easier to feed and keep and produce more eggs than other poultry. Then This is my favorite thing that I've read in this entire thing. The name of British chicken breeds is Dorking. <laughs> it is both so chicken and so British. Right? Um, <laughs> chickens are really dorky if you look at the bird. They are. Mm-hmm. They're just, they are. they're the lamest of the poultry gang. I mean, but there's some really pretty ones. You get some really nice feathers and sometimes they look very soft. And because we've raised them to be fat, because we just eat them and it's terrible. They're very chubby and cute. I saw a really chubby baby today. <laughs> Not that we should eat that kid. No cannibalism today. Just <laughs> I saw a really cute chubby baby today when I was out. That's nice. I do enjoy a chubby baby. Oof. They so cute. They so good. Um, Was it like where it looked like it had like rubber bands around like its arms and legs? Because it's like, oh, yes. But you know how some kids are kind of splotchy? This kid was Mm. perfectly like uniform skin tone. I was like, you have the skin. Like, you know, they're like, ooh, skin smooth as a baby's bottom. Like, that's the kind of skin that they're referencing. Fucking perfect. Anyways, also, if... We're going to talk about the cuteness of chickens. I have a description. This is from a post uh, on Instagram that I saw by the account, The Dish Tories, like histories, but dishes. What a fun pun. Um, And it was just about, and I didn't really do research on this because I ran out of time. Um, Also, maybe I was rushed. Uh, Just kidding. I wasn't going to do any more. Anyways, Um, it's on the silky chicken. It's completely black skin and meat, but often bright white fur-like feathers. They look like big bird fucked a and taste just like regular chicken so that's something that i will share that post because it's fun i've seen those when i've been to salt spring for the fall fair they have like a bunch of like chickens like it's just like a general like 4-h like farm animals like out on show and a lot of them are like chickens and there's so many like flick ones with like crazy feathers and like funny heads and i thought you're gonna say funny hats for a minute and i was like oh yeah like people would put their chickens on hats on salt spring <laughs> I mean, they might. Okay, this is the part that we were going to, I was kind of going to come back to you from the beginning. We Mm. also see a lot of modern characteristics developing in the Middle Ages, such as the yellow skin of chickens. When Mm. scientists look at the genes responsible for yellow skin color, which is called BCDO2, yeah, and a gene involving in thyroid hormone production, which is called TSHR, which they think these are the traits that only became common about 500 years ago. So oh. this domestication, this, okay, here, let me read what I've written because it's just, I'm going to, I've already summed it up. This is super interesting because it refutes the idea that any trait that a domesticated animal has now that is different from its wild ancestor is what caused it to become popular and successful. These animals became popular and successful before these traits developed, which is cool. 
That is cool. Yeah. Um, so these are things that we find changing after the domestication popularization. It demonstrates that the pets and livestock we know today, dogs, chicken, horses, cows, are probably radically different from the ones our great-great-grandparents knew. There's mm. a subject they are subjected to the whim of human fancy and control, so radical change in the way they look can be achieved in very few generations. Oh, that leads very well into my if you'd like to start then i have nothing further except for to tell you about the first known book on cockfighting which is the commendation of cocks and cockfighting by george wilson which was written in 1607 am i just like such a 14 year old boy that every time you say cock i just giggle i am so glad you are because i 100 percent was but i've been just trying to be really mature about it the whole time I'm just like, hee <laughs> So stupid. It's such a stupid word. Well, no, but I also just feel like it's so symbolic too. It's like, yeah, it's just like, here we have these like roosters, which are very much like emblems, if not just by name, but also by just virtue of how they act of like masculinity mm-hmm. and a particularly fragile one at that. <laughs> well said. Um, also just like, know- <laughs> yeah, the, I wish you could see the hand gesture, everyone, because Maria really just summed it up there. It's mostly just like a... Yeah. I hope you all got that from my noises to help. Um, Mm -hmm. It's so funny. And also, like, they changed the name from cock to rooster in America because of their puritanical bullshit nature. So, ha ha. (laughs) Anyways, please tell us more about the changes of chickens. Uh, I'm just going to jump, like, early chicken history in America. Perfect. I mean, like, up until, like, before the 1920s, it was very boring. Fair. Because chickens were, like, they just, like, weren't very important to the American diet. Like, they were just raised in very small flocks by farm women for just, like, home consumption and maybe, like, a little pocket money. Like, you sell some eggs. That's literally where I left off in the Middle Ages. Like, shit didn't change much. It truly didn't. Um, so at that time, chickens were free range on purpose. So you didn't like actually have to look after them. They just ate loose grain and table scraps. <laughs> free range by laziness. Well, but it's kind of like the the point, right? Like, it's just like, yeah, like we've just like got these chickens, like we'll just kill one every so often, like eat it and it'll feed us for a while. And hmm. like, you don't have to do anything, which is great because you're already so busy working on a farm. Like, yeah. who has time? <laughs> Chickens, the working man's pet. (laughs) But uh, not all farming industries were as consistently profitable as corn or cattle. So some turned to chickens because like, why not? (laughs) Uh, The legend is that Mrs. Wilmer Steele of Delaware was the first to raise chickens exclusively for market. Mm -hmm. So in 1923, she raised 500 chicks and then business was so good that she doubled her her yield the year after. Damn. I know. Soon her neighbors caught on and started raising chickens too. And just over 10 years later, so about 1934, um, the region's farmers were raising 7 million birds a year. Holy hell. Yeah. So it's like, it's just an industry that just like exploded overnight. Uh, In those early years, chickens were transported live to the market and then bought recently slaughtered from local butchers. So it was Did super they have regional. Butchers mm-hmm. at the markets ready to kill them when they basically walked off stage, kind of thing. I'm picturing <laughs> them like that. having a guy who's like, and going once, going twice, sold. I mean, I don't know that it wasn't like that, but basically, so these, the, all like these like chicken farms are in 
this area like in the states it's called the delmarva peninsula i think and it's just kind of like these areas and like sort of like a small region in like philadelphia delaware kind of like really close to new york city and new jersey hmm. and that's where all of the big markets were so they basically drive the chickens like live in coops to the city and like the markets and then they'd be auctioned there and i guess like butcher shops would buy them from the markets and then bring them to the butcher and like slaughter them in the morning and then people would just buy them that way oh wow i think hmm. that makes sense yeah but so that was how it was for like a little bit but then the industry was like obviously growing very rapidly so soon they had these processing plants popping up closer to the growers so they didn't have to transport them live because it's super inefficient um, so would you sell directly to the processing plant then? Yes. Mm -hmm. I think. I mean, slowly all of this becomes like super like it's, it's we're going to see it just becomes like, we know chickens are. Yeah. Like it's just like one company, but yeah, like, and the, it used to be very like scattered and decentralized. It was just like a bunch of people just kind of like doing their own thing and making pretty good money off of it. Sort of sometimes. Hmm. Um, sort of sometimes is how I assume all farming is. Truly. So yeah, so these early processing plants slaughtered and New York dressed the chickens, which means that they took the feathers off but left the feet and entrails. Ugh. Ew. <laughs> sure. But we're going to see that, like, I don't know. So that's that's, like, pretty basic, like, as, that's almost like as close as you get to having like a chicken that you caught in your backyard that you just like cut the head out. Like you, that's kind of how you do it yourself. I need to interrupt and just tell you that one time I was at my cousin's house for a dinner. <laughs> like I was probably like eight and we're uh -huh. sitting there and we're having dinner. And then like my mom and her cousin, I don't really know how all these people are related, but they're my family. <laughs> uh, we're just like talking about going to this farm and they would see chickens running around with their heads cut off. And I totally thought that was a joke until then. And I was like, oh shit, people actually see this wild. So traumatizing. Enjoy. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the birds no longer had to be shipped alive because they've got these processing plants. So then once they're already sort of like dressed, then you can send them farther away. So that just means that the business gets bigger and bigger. And then by 1939, so again, like only like less than two decades after this whole system is like kind of mm -hmm. up and running, there are some processing plants that clean, eviscerate, and freeze chickens, which enable them to be shipped even farther. And that's kind of like how you see them today. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The only stuff that's really missing on that is that they're not keeping the chickens themselves. Is that what something like, is that not something that we see now is like these same places, like keeping these chickens? Oh, on... yeah. But that was kind of starting here. Like, I think the guy that started, it's like, this is named like something jewel. Mm -hmm. He was the one that developed this like freezing plant. And he, he was the kind of the first to make everything kind of like pretty like laterally integrated, mm -hmm. but it doesn't, that doesn't happen until like the fifties. So, uh, yeah. So because the price of feed, so like the stuff that they're feeding chickens, it's like grains and like corn and shit. It's like a super volatile market. So a lot of small chicken farmers made a net zero profit or even like a loss selling chickens in these early years mm -hmm. until World War II. <laughs> so World War II, of course, as we've seen with so many foods that we've covered, it's like completely changes all of these food industries 
in America and like the world in general. Mm-hmm. So unlike beef, chicken was not rationed during the war. Really? And yeah, because like, again, until like literally like the fifties, chicken was seen as like a shitty meat. Like nobody ate it really. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. So yeah, so chicken was not rationed, but then not only was it like you could get it, but the government set a kind of a high price, which was good for the chicken farmers because it made the the business consistently profitable for like basically the first time. There was also a lot of propaganda efforts, such as the Food for Freedom program, which encouraged Americans to eat eggs and chicken and like save beef and pork for the troops. Wow. Yeah. So we see like basically with World War II, kind of like ice cream, kind of like I'm trying to think of other foods, but like a lot of foods, it's like eating and raising chickens became a patriotic act. It's so interesting too, because I feel like maybe this is just like a silly comment here, but I feel like there's such a gender to eating chicken now. Like it's so much more like a woman's meat in terms of like, it's like high in protein, low in fat, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't know how many times I've seen like, oh, a guy go, oh, I'll get the rib steak. And then the girl's like, oh, and I'll just have the chicken. And, like, that sort of stuff. And it's, like, gendered in the sense that, like, the protein, like, the the good meat, like, the high fatty ones, like, beef are being sent to, like, the men at war and the women at home are just eating chicken. Yeah. I, I don't know that we're seeing that gendered uh, sort of... Like, not in the marketing, here. but in just, like, the natural divide. Yeah. Of- well, we're going to see the health thing is going to take off, like, really big in, like, the 70s. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, but basically, because that's kind of all people can eat during the war, the demand for chicken totally skyrocketed. Production jumped from 413 million pounds in 1940 to 1.1 billion pounds in 1945. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so crazy. Uh, and then obviously the demand is so huge that the industry needed to modernize. So we're starting to see that integration that we've been kind of hinting at mm-hmm. where it's, we've got the chicken, like the hatcheries and the feed mills and the processing plants are all owned by like a single firm, but the chicken itself also needed to be, I don't know, modernized or industrialized. So there's this quote, industrial chicken, sorry. It's They are. Yeah. So the barnyard chicken was made over into a highly efficient machine for converting feed grains into cheap animal flesh protein. Ew. And that's what happened. By the 1990s, commercial chickens grew twice the weight in less than half the time on less than half the feed of a chicken from the 1930s. So 60 years, but that's... But that's still like... Not nothing to turn your nose up at or your beak. Yeah, it's nothing to turn down your beak. To turn, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Also, did you read in your stuff? And I didn't really understand it, so I didn't want to touch on it too much. But I read a bunch about like after the roosters are like done fertilizing, basically, like they've Mm -hmm. they've hit that, they castrate them and then they gain a bunch of weight, and so they're like more profitable to sell castrated like roosters. I didn't know that. That's crazy. I don't know if that's like, I don't, I didn't really understand the science, science, science behind it, but, uh, you know. Ew. I mean, I feel like hormones are weird, so it, True. it, it makes sense, but so how do they make these chickens so big? Uh, well, better scare quotes, grain filled with vitamins and antibiotics mm-hmm. and better again, scare quotes, housing. 
Oh, lovely. Yes. I didn't realize. That I think again. Okay, so in face were better housing green. Yeah. So I will say that, especially like in these early days, like the fifties and sixties, I think it, like it it was better for all intents and purposes. But then it's once it becomes as it always does. Once the industry becomes super uber big business, that's when we see kind of the atrocities. Which long and short of it, capitalism like labor is great. Capitalism is not. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about integration. So by the 1960s, large national feed companies controlled by the 60s. I'm just going to say that again. Mm. Large national feed companies controlled 90% of chicken production. Which is crazy to me because I feel like I always think of the whole like big conglomerate, like taking over the world stuff as like an 80s i don't know why there's definitely that like put on your shoulder padded suit do a line of coke and like go out and capitalize the world kind of mentality of the 80s but like that's not the way i think it's becoming more and more clear through like all of this research that that's not the way it was yeah it's like a slow like truly like since the 40s 50s it's like a steady trajectory of like let's just take over everything all right so yeah so these national feed companies owned the hatcheries, feed mills, processing plants, but then they contract out the grow out phase to farmers, but it was still totally under their control. What's the grow out phase? Just like the process between getting them hatched to getting them ready to be slaughtered? Yeah. So it's like you have, you'd send the, like the chicks to the grow, like where they grow out, grow up and like fatten up basically. Got it. And it's, I think that they're usually slaughtered at about four to six weeks i think are the numbers i read that I six saw. weeks a bunch of i think places. it's maybe six yeah maybe it's their six weeks and they're four pounds that would make sense yeah which is like crazy yeah so the pros of integration are obviously improved efficiency and stability and then also a supposed high quality product that is produced cheaply and in extremely large quantities mm. and then the cons are obviously that these big companies have like a total monopoly. Uh, 98% of the world's broilers. Also, broilers is a word that they were using for, like, feed chickens, which I kept... I, like, didn't like to use very much because I couldn't be asked to, like, look up what it actually meant, and it seems uncomfortable to me. I feel like I read the reason somewhere, but I don't recall off the top of my head. Yeah. Anyway, so 98% of the world's, like, food chickens are descended from birds supplied by three companies. Ugh. Oh, that is very yucky. Yeah. Like, again, we've talked about the dangers of monocrops in terms of just, like, the inability to be defended against disease and stuff like that. That's, like, a real problem if they're all just from three chickens. I don't know about three chickens. Oh, no, you're right. Sorry. Three. um, (laughs) Still not okay. No, it's bad. And, And it does. Like, it is still, like, super limiting the gene pool. Also, like, the contract growers, like, the people that are fattening up these chickens, like, there's a lot of testimonials from them being, like, it's basically, like, sharecropping, like, we have to put up a big investment, for, like, they've got to pay for, like, that housing, obviously, like, heat and labor, and they don't seem to be making much of a profit, but then, like, some are like, no, like, we're fine, but I don't know. So, it, um, is it... Like, is that commentary on the lack of, like, reliable profit margins from this? Is that potentially a defense against, like, the shit conditions that they're potentially, like, literally shit conditions that sometimes these animals are being kept in? 
I don't think it's a defense against that. I mean, you mean like a defense for it? Mm -hmm. Sorry, that's what I mean. Yes. I guess. I think, but what it actually means is it's like, sure. Yeah. Like they're, they're doing everything like potentially, they're not spending a lot of money. They're obviously putting these animals through like hell. Yeah. And treating them like, like objects Mm -hmm. worse than, but they're still not like making much money because like all of the profit goes to like the big companies, of course. Mm. Terrible. Yeah. Um, all right. So then I, (laughs) my next subject, which I came up with this headline and I think I'm hilarious. I know you're hilarious. Let's hear it. Making America chicken again. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I quite like that. Thank you. So, as we've said before, chicken was considered a second-rate meat until after World War II. And then things really started to turn around for poultry. So by 1984, Americans... people flocking to it? Sorry, it took me a minute. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. By 1984, Americans ate twice as much chicken as they did in the 60s. Health concerns kind of like you're talking about with like the gendered consequences of this, but health concerns led to a decrease in beef consumption and chicken filled the void. So 1976 to 98 chicken consumption rose 50%. And by 1995, Americans consumed 50 pounds of chicken a year. Then just six years later, 2001 per capita consumption was 82 pounds. Whoa. Sorry. How many years later was that? Six. That's insane. Yeah. So like we're seeing, so from the 60s to the 80s, it's like huge jumps. Mm-hmm. From the 70s, I guess the 70s to the 80s, like another big jump. And then, yeah, just from like 1995 to 2001, it's like. That's wild. Crazy. crazy. Um, until the 80s-ish, chicken was mostly cooked whole. Nowadays, however, obviously, processed chicken is kind of the chicken that we think of. So in one of the articles I read, Mm -hmm. the author talks about how their undergrads forgot that chicken came in forms other than nuggets or strips. Dark. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like anyone under 30 is just like forgets that chickens like have an animal form. It's like, oh my God. Horrifying. So yeah. So I'm like, when I picture cooking chicken, I picture getting like a package of chicken breasts from the grocery store. I mean, and that's literally where I'm getting to right now. So we like, as we've just been talking about now, we've seen chicken as a product become more and more removed from its form as a living animal. So they first were sold live to butchers, then slaughtered, but still with like feet and guts and then like fully like just pieced off. Well, not, they weren't, they weren't pieced off in like the fifties and even like seventies, but it is still like, they have no guts. Like you could just put it in a pan and it's like, good. You don't have to like clean anything. Oh, uh, so yeah, but chicken now is like even more processed. And the reason for that is that chicken in its most basic form is actually not super profitable again. So companies needed to add supposed value to their product. And the best way to do that was basically by creating distance between chicken as a standard basic commodity. Sorry, continue. I think I'll get there with your explanation. Your your kind of confused face makes sense because it, it is kind of an insane thing. So like literally they added value to a chicken by not serving it whole and by cutting it up into like prepackaged chicken parts. 
Ugh. You cut out the butcher because you're doing it yourself. And it also allowed producers to market chicken in different ways. So we're getting specialized products. We see this happening in like a lot of foods. Yeah, right? definitely. Like, like shredded cheese is more expensive than like a block of cheese because it's more convenient. It's disgusting too. <laughs> I would way rather grate my own cheese. That's a, I have a lot of feelings about grated cheese as it turns out. Interesting. Yeah, anyways. I feel like it serves a purpose. You could talk to Sophie about this. She hates grating cheese. Does she? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's like younger child. It's like a younger child, like, phobia. <laughs> I wonder if Allie likes grating cheese. Mm, you should ask Allie her. Allie loves grilled cheese. Grilled cheese is delicious. Shout out to Allie, yes. loving her grilled cheese. Uh, yeah, so basically... By removing bones, breading certain parts, cutting chicken into bite-sized chunks, companies could charge way more than if they sold the chicken home whole. Yeah, no kidding, hey? In 1970, we see the first nugget. 1970s, our first nug, hey? Yes. Uh, processing, like a nugget, allowed poultry companies to use up the cuts that people didn't want, a.k.a. everything that wasn't a breast. <laughs> Also, just, like, quick sidebar on how fucking breast-obsessed we all are. Yeah, I was gonna say, people love chicken titties. Chickens are bred to have, like, enormous breasts. In 1980, 10% of a chicken's weight was breast. (laughs) By the mid-2000s, 21%. Okay, 10% is already laughable. 21% is, like, they're going to fall over. They cannot move. Their legs... Their legs, like, literally break because their tits are too big. That's so sad. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a load of nonsense, hey? Tell me about it. Holy hell. (sighs) Yeah. So horrifying. Anyway, so other unprofitable byproducts. (laughs) So, like, skin, necks. Backs? I, who know? I don't even know about a chicken back. I mean, obviously they have them, but like, yeah, it makes sense. It's just like when you like roast a chicken and you take like all the meat off of all the parts. You're just get, like getting that little fine bit. Yeah, my mom loves doing that. She loves like having a roast chicken and then she loves like standing at the counter afterwards and peeling all of the ch- chicken off and just like eating the bits. I mean, she mostly saves it for like leftovers, but she loves sneaking a bite. Good for her. Yeah, that's like a good use. These big companies are just turning it into, like, nuggets, which we will get to. But also, like, chicken hot dogs. Like, (laughs) chicken, like, salami, pet food, obviously. Ugh. That's a whole other can of chicken. But anyway. (laughs) Oy, oy, oy. Oy, oy, oy. Uh, Marketing, obviously, played a huge part in chicken's success in this time. So we're starting to see, again, like, in the late 80s like early 90s uh branded chicken which is like a thing i didn't even think about but oh that's so interesting yeah it's like you see companies being able to charge a premium for their so-called higher quality products and again i'm not sure if okay well there's two things here one i've never bought chicken that's (laughs) so i don't like know but I guess, yeah, like anytime you're in the meat aisle, there's like the sort of like generic meat and then the like kind the, that like the grocery store butchers themselves, and then you have the others that's like 
I can't even think of a brown off the top of my head. I think the only thing I can think of is like Maple Leaf Farms, but I'm yeah. pretty sure that that's like pork mostly. But anyways, I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of like branded chicken. I also, I also wonder if maybe again, like as with a lot of this stuff, this it's is very American. American yeah, thing. I would imagine yeah. that's specifically it too. But so yeah, but so basically, this became a huge thing where it's and kind of also throwback to the Ask for Free Boy campaign. Oh, yes. And this is like literally the same thing where it's just companies telling like consumers that yeah, like these are better products. Like you've got to look for like the red, white, and blue tag and blah, blah, blah. And like the threat of like you being like a bad housewife if you aren't getting the correct brand of chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then it's even more insane because a consumer reports survey found that most consumers bought branded chicken because of a perceived superiority. But then in the same study, they also saw that branded chickens were like literally no different in terms of taste and consistency. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's, it's a total total ploy. Yeah. Love that for us. Uh, By the mid 1980s, fast food and restaurant industries were buying more and more chicken and Americans were eating out more than they ever had before, which we've kind of covered in the past. Uh, Convenience food, so pre-prepared, reheat, eat, microwave dinners were made to mimic the taste and speed of dining out, which obviously makes all of the food that people are eating just even more processed. And chicken is processed and sold in more varieties than any other meat. All right, let's talk nugs. Nuggy, nuggy, nugs, yeah. (sighs) McDonald's Chicken McNuggets were launched worldwide in 1983. What a blessed day. People loved them so much that initially they had, like, a lot of supply problems. But then they (laughs) picked that. Uh, Nuggets were super important in getting children into McDonald's. Oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And then because like children bring parents and whole families. So it's like a way of like getting even more business. Just lassoing them in. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. And now for a description that probably everyone's heard, because I'm sure everyone's seen Super Size Me, but like also the way that this author has written this almost rivals the like margarine description from episode one. All right. Chicken nuggets are made by pushing chicken carcasses through a giant tea bag like screen to produce a slurry of protein. To this slurry is often added large amounts of water and soya proteins to restore the texture of meat and flavorings and sugars to make up for the lack of meat. The mixture is then made solid by the addition of polyphosphates and gums. Yum. So, it's truly so horrifying. Yeah. There was, like, the whole thing where, I can't remember what year it was. It was, like, 2006 or something, maybe. And they were, like, yeah, like, all white meat chicken nuggets. And people were, like, wait. What the fuck have we been eating? (laughs) Oh, so rough. Yeah, I remember that ad campaign. That came out, like, right around Super Size Me time. I think so. Yeah. What a truly horrific documentary. Yeah. I feel like he's problematic. Yeah, of course he is. All white men are. (laughs) But also just like the villainization of fast food. 
Like, obviously, yes, there's massive problems with the idea of eating a slurry of chicken products mixed with other things. But also there's a problem with telling somebody who is potentially not well off or that just fucking wants to eat a chicken nugget that they can't. Yeah. I mean, I think... I don't know. It's so tough. It's so it's tough, like, yeah. Yeah, like, people... I think the problem, and I was actually thinking about this too, where it's like, just like thinking back to the article that I was talking about in tomatoes, like in defense of processed food. And it's like, yeah, like it's great. Like it's democratizing. It's the reason that we are bigger and stronger today. But also like in a way we've kind of gone back to that same like aristocratic peasant notion of all of the bad for you foods being eaten by the poor people and rich people eating the good stuff. And it's like, you know, actually just eating vegetables and like whole foods is actually healthier and oftentimes cheaper than eating fast food and like all these processed foods. That's so true, except for there are obviously mitigating circumstances to that. If you live in a food desert, you have Mm -hmm. some sort of a disability and you can't get to the grocery store, the perishable aspect of fresh vegetables and stuff. Yeah. Again, like it's just the fact of the matter is, is it such a nuanced conversation that is not something that we can cover ever? And uh, the the fact of the matter is we just have to ignore it. Like there's so many issues with it. Well, not ignore it. That's the wrong thing to say. But like we have to just be cool with all of it. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you should, people being mean to chickens. We don't need to be cool with that, necessarily. Yeah, I mean, it's like, let's just... <sighs> so this is why I especially don't like chickens, because, like, for the meat, like, for the most part, and again, I know this isn't true, but, like, I don't... When I eat meat, I'm not usually buying, like, cheap meat. I'm buying... Well, no, I when I eat meat, it's usually just steak from work, so it's good quality. <laughs> um, and I know that. Whereas if I'm eating chicken, I, like... I don't know, I just feel like you can't ever... Be sure that that chicken was super happy. Yeah, because I was also reading a lot of things where it's like the free range and like cage free doesn't actually like that's not. I well, well like, I'm trying to think what I'm trying to say, but it's like those aren't regulated terms. So it's yeah, like... ooh, and that's a scary thing in terms of just like for all foods, like the lack of regulation on those buzzwords is so crazy. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. and the FDA not regulating like so many different things is also not like re pomegranate juice and that being labeled mm. as like a wonderful like super healthy surface <laughs> stuff it's like no like literally you can just say whatever you want apparently this ties in okay so speaking of health and stuff so as we've sort of alluded to our straight up talked about the supposed the, the reason that so many americans and just people in general gained a big interest in chicken uh were like the low cost and supposed health benefits but actually those kind of became like those ended up being false Mm -hmm. like at least they are false now that the chicken industry has become so huge so price yes a whole chicken or non-branded thighs are cheaper than hamburger meat but that's obviously not what people are buying they're buying breasts wings nuggets those value-added products which are obviously more heavily processed chicken and are more expensive Mm -hmm. And then in terms of health, as with price, if people were just buying whole chickens and cooking them at home, it would be healthier than red meat. But chicken's biggest sales are in fast food. So six nuggets contain the same amount of fat, 21 grams, as a double cheeseburger. Yikes. A chicken sandwich has one third more fat 
than a double cheeseburger. Oh my gosh. That's double so cheeseburger. wild. It's it's just so crazy. Like and and like the scariest part is like there's no reason for that to be the way it is. Like with those other meats, you can kind of be like, oh yeah, like that's why it is because this animal is like this. But chickens should not be like that. It's because we've bred them to be that fatty. We've given them huge, massive tits. <laughs> yeah, rude. Leave mm-hmm. them alone. Um, well, maybe we should stop body shaming the chickens, though. <laughs> they didn't ask for this. Yeah. Um, okay. Also, it's very important to remember that we didn't used to eat this much meat. Yeah, so true. Like, looking back at cookbooks from, like, the 1800s, they're way more focused on how to make small amounts of meat last longer, and meat used to be more of a Sunday dinner or special occasion food. Which, whereas now it's like... Now it's it's like a weird thing if you don't have meat on your plate in a non-vegetarian household. Like, I know there will be some days where my mom will cook dinner, and Steve will be like, where's, where's the meat? And my mom was like, we're not having any today. Yeah, or it's like a, you have three meals a day and every single one of those meals has meat in it. Horrifying. So yeah. So nowadays, or as of this one statistic that I have from 2003. In 2003, humans slaughtered 46 billion animals. Which is almost seven times the population of that time. Like of humans. And then as I wrote this down, but I'm like, wait, does this make sense? Apparently 93% of those animals were chickens. That makes sense, I think. It's insane. That is insane. I have a stat here. As of 2018, there are 23.7 billion chickens. Yeah. That's wild. They're all owned by three companies. Three companies, at least in America. We don't know what the European chickens are doing. No, that stat was like worldwide. Shut up. Yeah, 98% of the worldwide chickens are owned by three companies. Oh, or not owned by, but like fucking descended. missed that. Holy hell. Oh my. I remember in the third grade that people would always, I don't know why this was like a stat that got passed around, but it was like, there's 99 chickens for every human out there. Well, let's do the math. No, that's more. That's more chickens. Well, no. How many billion people are there right now? Eight? Yeah, and so I'm saying 23, so let's round that up to 24. That's three chickens per person. (laughs) That's not enough. We're eating too many chickens. Uh, I don't know. And chickens have a different lifespan than humans. This math is too complicated. There's a chicken born every minute. There's a chicken born every minute. This is like when I attempted to figure out how much cocaine costs. Like, it's just the numbers will never work for me. I can't do it. We can't do it. <laughs> um, okay, I've got some horrifying facts. Lovely. Or would you first like to hear a very brief segment on McDonald's and KFC outside of America? I would love to hear about McDonald's and KFC outside of America. Okay. So, McDonaldization is McDonald's globalization strategy which has an emphasis on standard products and quality so the food the menus tastes and restaurants are basically the same all over the world 
which is just, I mean, it kind of makes sense. But In China, KFC has become a, quote, desired taste, a lifestyle aspiration, and oh. a measure of distinction. So I think just like in China, both McDonald's and KFC provide a symbolic connection to the global modern world, which is trash. But also like, it's like a weird, it's that weird kind of thing where it's like, because everything's so like clean and like American and like standard, then it's, a, I think I read some quote where it was like a Chinese, like a Beijing resident was sitting in a McDonald's and they were like, I feel like I could be anywhere like New York, Paris. It's like, oh my, I hope you're not sitting in a McDonald's in New York and Paris. Also, I will say this in defense of McDonald's, KFC, and per chance I would suggest Burger King the most actually, uh, the greatest thing that they have done for our world, not the food, not the standardization, not the ability to feel like you were in Paris when you're in Japan. No, no. The fact that they have given travelers all across the globe a semi-clean place to be. Yeah. God bless. I would actually interject and say that one of the most disgusting toilet experiences of my life was a Burger King in Times Square. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. That tracks. It was was bad. That sounds real bad, actually. I have yet to have a bad experience at a Burger King, like, abroad. I've never eaten at one. BK Lounge? BK Lounge. (laughs) No, every single time, just, like, a quick hop in, use the toilet, get the fuck out. I mean, that's great. And Uh, Wi-Fi. Free Wi-Fi, man. Oh. Yeah. I mean... That's a public service right there. I'm not saying we excuse McDonald's for all their ills, but... (sighs) McDonald's is a tough one. KFC is a tough one. Mm -hmm. I didn't really get into it because I was just like... Have you heard, I, this has apparently been a thing for like ages, but I just saw it recently, was that KFC on Twitter only follows like the, the Spice Girls, so five like spices, and then the 11 men named Herb, and I'm just like, that's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> they have like one marketing intern that is just killing it. Or at least they did like two years ago, whenever that came out. I don't know how I missed that because I feel like I would have loved that from the start and I'm loving it now. Okay, so I can't go into like the treatment of chickens much more than Mm-mm. we've just kind of talked to. Like if anyone wants to know it, you can read about it. You could watch YouTube videos if you want. Like It's rough. We all know it's just chickens stuck in tiny, tiny cages getting shit on by other chickens and awful, awful, awful things. We don't need to do that. Yeah, and like most of them are grown in the South where it's super hot. So then they like suffocate to death and like, all that kind of stuff uh sweat in your own shit fun anyways antibiotics love that even more for us oh my gosh i have a fact after to tell you is it about antibiotics no it's about chicken brining oh cool which is kind of antibiotic related because they brine them in antibiotics at points in history they have oh that's cool did you remember that episode on antibiotic resistant drugs from the yeah and they had that bit where they're like they literally were like just dripping in antibiotics they just yep. chuck these chickens in vats of it and call it a day yeah it's just like growth promoters are terrible um there's also bird flu Oof. terrible and because it's a virus all of these antibiotics don't do shit and it's uh yeah likely caused by overcrowded unsanitary conditions 
Uh, chicken poop and bedding from like the poultry factory floors are common ingredients in other animal feeds. Ew. Yeah. Oh. So it's just like a cycle of disease and antibiotics. Jesus. The chicken litter is also regularly discarded into river watersheds, which supply drinking water for humans. Oh, that's so fucked up. Again, this is mostly like all in the States. Like, I don't think, I think that our regulations are better in Canada, but. But that doesn't change the fact that like, we literally live right next to the border for one. And Mm -hmm. for two, like, we've all been to the States. We've all eaten there. Uh, and feel kind of gross about it now. Uh, and three, sucks that an entire country's worth of people can't have access to clean drinking water. But anyways, or like water without the fear of chicken crap in it. Also, levels of arsenic have been found in chicken litter because arsenic compounds are added to chicken feed to promote growth and prevent infections. Oh my gosh. You just say this stuff and then I just go on a rant. And you know what? I need to simmer down. But it's real hard to simmer down when this is the stuff being said. Okay. We're transitioning into nice things. And this is a nice fact. Okay. In Japan, Mm -hmm. they hold an annual memorial service for all of the poultry killed the year prior. That's so cute and so weird. I know. (laughs) This is a quote from the director of the Japan Poultry Association. (laughs) quote we wish to express our regret to chickens for having killed for having to kill them while also giving thanks to them for providing us with food i don't know how chickens feel about it but humans should show appreciation well i think we're pretty sure how chickens feel about being (laughs) killed but that's nice that they're trying i think it's nice that they're trying that's really cute actually yes oh gosh may i tell you my fact real quick though Please tell me your facts. So I was talking to Kristen today on the way home from brunch, and I was like, yeah, i got to go do my research about chicken. Or, and she's like, you know, one thing is that a lot of, like, chicken that gets sent to restaurants, like, the kind, like, if you're going to, like, a Montana's or, like, mm-hmm. that kind of level of, like, restaurant, often it's brined and, like, kind of preserved and packed in pineapple juice because it's cheaper than, like, sugar water to keep it, like, preserved huh. and fresh. So if you have a serious pineapple ar- allergy, which... That would suck on so many levels. Love me some pineapple. You probably couldn't have that chicken. Huh. I'm not super is... weird, though. Yeah. It I mean, I guess that makes sense. But also, I thought pineapple juice was expensive. Apparently, it's cheaper than this chicken or sugar water they need. I don't know. The only evidence, this is like an unsubstantiated fact in the sense that I didn't check this. She just told me. But it's also supported by a friend of hers who worked for one of these restaurants and found out through managing it because she would notice that she, whenever ate the chicken, she ate the chicken there, she would always get a really like weird allergic reaction. And it, she's like, that's so weird. I'm not allergic to chicken, but she was allergic to pineapple. Huh. Crazy sauce, hey? That is. Yeah. Please continue. Well, my, I just have this short section about chicken and pop culture. And the first topic I want to talk about are the chicken sandwich wars of 2019. What are the chicken sandwich wars? Do you not recall this? No. 2019. What a simpler time. What a simpler time indeed. August 2019. Popeye's, the chain, launched a chicken sandwich in direct opposition to chicken primary fast food store 
Chick-fil-A. Isn't Chick-fil-A homophobic? Extremely. Horrible. So Twitter was ablaze. People took very many different sides. Everyone was like... Because everyone's squawking about it? Squawking (laughs) their heads off. The lines were insane. People got in fights when restaurants rent, like when they ran out of these sandwiches. McDonald's and KFC got in on the action. KFC also was doing some ungodly concoction with a donut. Was there not? Okay, I vaguely recall that. There was like a donut and then a chicken piece in between the two. Yeah, horrifying. Also, is there not a sandwich from one of these places that's literally two pieces of like deep fried chicken like patty as the bread of a sandwich? Like, I I feel feel like there's two pieces of chicken and then in the middle there's like a burger or like, I don't know, cheese or some fuckery. I mean, that's also getting into like the, what is it? Like the naked chicken chalupa or whatever the fuck from Taco Bell. What's that? It's like a chick. It's chicken as the taco shell. Oh, yes. I have seen that. Why the heck am I so oblivious to what's going on in the fast food warfare game? Truly. Yeah. A man was fatally stabbed at a Popeye's after cutting in line. That's so fucked up. Mm hmm. And then Chick-fil-A, I guess, like, looking to regain, to regain some cred, uh, announced that it will no longer donate to anti-LGBTQ organizations. But that's, like... That doesn't really change the fact that, one, you did it, and two, like, the majority of your, like, bigwigs, they're probably donating anyways. Yeah, and I think also then it was, like, they're just not donating to some anti-LGBT like it's just like okay cool Mm. so yeah Chick-fil-A the worst can suck it yep (laughs) eloquent as Um, always (laughs) I did make myself a vegetarian version of a chicken sandwich for dinner today did you really yeah it was pretty good oh how about this other horrifying instance of chicken Mm. actually well anyway chicken on chicken violence there is a an urban legend among black Americans that church's chicken, mm. which is like another like fried yeah. chicken place is owned by the Ku Klux Klan. What the fuck? And that they are contaminating the chickens that it will cause sterility in black males. I can't believe we didn't talk about how like the idea of fried chicken. is incredibly like that's a loaded. I, I just, I couldn't. Yeah. I just. <sighs> Holy smokes. Um, Ugh. I mean, it's not true. No, it's not happening. But like, also the world's so messed up these days that I would believe literally anything. Yeah. So this is like really interesting. I read a very good article about it and it's like this, like, I should have written down her name, but anyway, she's like a folklorist and I think she is also black. Oh, is she Taylor Swift? (laughs) Fuck right off. Oh, God, I'm Back so in 1987, Taylor Swift wrote this incredible article about. <laughs> Are you sure it was in 1989? Hashtag that was the year of that album. Okay, you know, you got where I went with that. I'm so clever. <laughs> I was actually hoping you'd go there. Thank you. Anyways, so no, so this woman, fine, I'm going to find the name so that everyone can look at it and isn't confused by your shenanigans. Your shenanigans. Patricia A. Turner. Anyway, so she basically interviewed a bunch of, like, her, like, undergrad students and just, like, different people. 
and it was just like, have you heard about this rumor? And like, have you, do you know about this? And they were like, oh yeah, like that's totally a thing. Like my friend saw it like an, uh, saw it on 60 minutes and it was like, yeah, like church's chicken is contaminating. Yeah. But it's just like, but it's the classic kind of like rumor mill where it's like, oh yeah, like my friend saw it. And it's like, oh no, actually my friend didn't see it. Their friend of a friend saw it and then told me about it. Like it's, and then, but so in the, in like 1984, Mm-hmm. The like hysteria, not hyster- I don't want to use the word hysteria, but like the concern about this was so high in Southern California that the FDA did mass spectrometer and and gas chromatography tests to prove that there was no basis to the rumors. Whoa! But obviously, people like were still like, nah, it's happening. Like, or like, well, I'm still not going to eat there. Like, why take the risk? Because of course. White people have been doing this to black people for years. I was going to say, like, we're in a real tense time in terms of, like, forced, like, sterilization. (laughs) (laughs) The world is on fire and it has been for a million years. Um, I don't even really have any notes, but I spent, like, the last, like, two hours instead of actually, like, reading any more articles just watching Ina Garten videos on YouTube. Mm, That's very soothing. Ina Garten... And her chicken recipe for Jeffrey. Hmm. Oh, how have we not talked about... Sorry, this kind of ties in, though. But how have we not talked about... Okay, uh, like, Glamour magazine. And, like, all, like, those... Like, the women's magazines being, like, engagement chicken. Like, make him a roast chicken and you'll seduce this man into marriage. Well, that is Ina Garten, apparently, like, originally. Yeah, that tracks. Oh, Ina. Uh, yeah. Uh, terrible. It's trash. If you want to get a man to marry you, obviously you roast him a chicken and then you handcuff him to the chicken. Then you take him down to court and you get him to marry the chicken or you, one or the other. What part of a chicken do you handcuff? Obviously the whole thing. You have to get custom cuffs for this. (laughs) You get a full... They're actually expandable too, so you can do a turkey if necessary. Uh, just <laughs> multi poultry Oh, for the love of God. I'm sorry. I'm fully spinning out in here. It's too late. I don't know why you're still awake. I don't know how. I don't know either. I'm exhausted. I've had like four hours of sleep for the past week. Oh. A night, not in the total. Would are, are you finished your stuff? Because I have one last thought to leave you on. Yeah, I mean, I was just like watching Ida Garten and just being like, you know what? At first, I was very much being like, ugh, like she's so pretentious or like whatever. Like she's kind of got a weird relationship with her husband, and it makes me uncomfortable the way that she like jokes about him like leaving her if she doesn't make him food all the time. Jeffrey like, would never. Yeah, and then by the end, I was like, this is the most delightful thing I've ever seen. Jeffrey and also, I feel like so codependent on her, though. Yeah, I feel like he gets like like the, most of the joke is that he's like closeted gay. Yeah, I hope that's the joke. If it's not, it's a weird situation. <laughs> but also, Jeffrey, you feel free to do whatever you want and what makes you happy. And if yeah. you're chicken sexual, that's okay too. Also, like a lot of the YouTube comments were joking. It's just like, what if Jeffrey secretly hates chicken but just like doesn't have the heart to tell her? <laughs> Which, you know what? That's love. That is love. That's really beautiful if that's the case. 
Okay, my last thought to leave you on. It's a quote from MMA, if you'd like to hear it. Mm, The quote is, normalize eating a rotisserie chicken alone in the parking lot. So if there's one thought we'd like to leave you with today, dear listeners, it's that. Rotisserie, the lowest common to talk. Oh, no. (laughs) Nope, that's what we're we're recommending today. Normalize eating a rotisserie chicken alone in your car. I want to say, like, normalize eating vegetarian chicken nuggets with champagne. That's <laughs> AKA my favorite meal. That's probably better advice. A rotisserie chicken alone in a parking lot is really like. <laughs> that's a cry for help, I feel like. I feel like I had a university classmate who would, like, regularly come to, like, our after lunch, like, our two o'clock class with just, like, half a rotisserie chicken and just, like, eat it throughout the class. That's fucking like, horrifying. Oh, it's too much meat. It's way too much meat. That's a full chicken. That's insane. I think he only had a half, but still. Still too much. Ugh. Lordy, lordy. Anyway. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. I waved like that was going to help. Okay, bye. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) 